Hawks Live. Every Thursday night at 7, live at Pearl Seafood and Oyster Bar in Bellevue's Lincoln Square. Brought to you by Heritage Distilling's Batch Number 12 Vodka. Come on, guys. Let me take over. And Legendary Donuts on 710 ESPN Seattle. Welcome back to Hawks Live. We're at Pearl Seafood and Oyster Bar. And right now, as promised, we're joined by Chris Carson. Let's hear it for Chris. Thanks for joining us, man. Appreciate it. I'm sorry. I can't, I can't oh, you can't hear? Yeah, All right. Well, we'll, we'll get you turned up here pretty soon. <laughs> but there we go. How about now? We good? No, no. Not really. All right. There we go. We just had to turn the thing on there. Yeah. Anyway, Chris, just love watching you play. I was mentioning, you know, before you came up here, one of my favorite players to watch. Just uh, So let's, let's go back through most recently the game. And I know you've probably been asked this by a million people. Like, mm. what was the impulse in your brain that made you hurdle over the top of that guy? Um. I don't know. It's just something I, I think about sometimes. Um, I do it in ca- training camp all the time, so not over people, but just you know, when I'm running the ball. So um, I seen him kind of looking like he was going to go low, and I don't, I can't stand when defenders go low on my legs, because yeah. especially after last year. And so um, I took the chance in his jump. Yeah, and then, you know, the, the time when you're in the air, it looked like you couldn't wait to get back to yeah. the ground, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And then when you did, your, your feet, you know, caught up with you and mm-hmm. just uh, – yeah, that was just an awesome play. That's probably one of those things, though, that, like, happens so quick in your brain, you probably don't even have time to think about it, right? Yeah, one of those things is just impulse, you know what I mean? It's not like you plan it. It just kind of happens, like you said. Yeah, it, you know, it seems like a lot of your game, uh, to me anyway, I watch your timing, and it's almost like you can't really coach that. Like, that's impulse mm-hmm. at that moment. Uh, one of the, the preseason uh, runs that you had, the touchdown in Minnesota. Mm. It was like a trap play or something. You get up there and you just had that little hesitation mm. and then you hit the gas and it mm. it just seems like that's one of those things you probably can't describe either that it's just yeah. an impulse in your brain. Yeah, it's just like a lot of running backs I feel like have it. Um, you want to stay patient in a way, but when you see it, you want to explode through it. And so that's something they teach us, um, the running backs coach teaches there in Seattle. Um, that, you know, don't be so too much in a rush just to get through the hole, you know what I mean? Let your line work for you, and then when you see it, you know, explode through. So, Chris, let me ask you this. When you're, when you're preparing for a game and you guys are scouting the other team and you see uh, some of the game plan developing throughout the week, do you ever have um, communication with the, with the offensive line? Like, mm. hey, this, like on this particular play or this, this sets of plays, the types of plays, mm. this is what I'm trying to set up early in the game. This mm. time maybe try to hit it late in the game. Yeah. Is there any, ever any kind of conversation like that between the offensive and defense, I mean the offensive line and running backs? Yeah, I mean, we conversate all the time about, you know, what we expect in different plays, you know what I mean? Um, my favorite is kind of the inside inside zone. I like to get my shoulder square. Right. And so, um, you know, we all talk about it. Um, they kind of know which plays suit me best. And so, you know, when they make those play calls, you know, I, I let them know, like, this is what I want to get accomplished on this play. I got you. You know. Do you, do you feel like you need to get into a rhythm? Because mm-hmm. didn't get a lot of carries the other day. And I got the feeling from Pete that – that's that's going to change in, in this game. And I don't know if they've communicated that to you, but mm. as a as a running back, it just seems like uh, you kind of want to get into a groove and sort of yeah. establish your repertoire, huh? Yeah, that's like the biggest thing for um, running backs. You know what I mean? You, it's hard to get in a groove, like you said, in a rhythm and a groove when you get you know a certain amount of carries. You know they spread out, but um, you know 
when you get a whole bunch of carries early, you know what I'm saying, that's when you start getting your feet where you start picking up momentum. And then when that fourth quarter comes, you know, the defense is getting worn down. And then that's when you put the foot on the gas. And then, you know, that's where you usually make a lot of your yards at. What what is what is one thing like we we talk a lot like I love the way you just described how you like to run with yeah. your shoulder square and just coming downhill because that's right. how I would like to block because yeah. that means you're just like busting people right in the face the whole time like it's this a snot bubble game is what I call it you get hit so hard there's snot on everybody's face mask. but uh, what what is it about your game that people don't see because they see the size how hard you run, all those kinds of things. What is it that, that you think a skill that you have or an attribute of how you run that mm-hmm. people may not see but, but is there? Um, I'd probably say I'm a lot more patient than people think, and I probably have a little bit more moves than people think. You know what I mean? A lot of people didn't even know I really was that athletic mm-hmm. where I could jump. You know what I mean? A lot of people just think, oh, I'm a bruiser. I'm just going to hit you in the mouth, hit you in the mouth over and over again. But then – you know, I got a lot of comments after the jump or whatever. There was everybody's like, oh, I didn't know you had that athletic ability in you. <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean? And I'm like, well, I did it a couple of times in, uh, at you know, Oklahoma State, so it's not like the first time I've done it. And uh, so I think that's the biggest thing, like me yeah. being more athletic than a lot of people think. Yeah, I, I think that, I'm sorry, Dave, but I think that run really, to me, mm-hmm. showed me everything that's in your repertoire because I, the, the, it looked like it was supposed to be a trap play. Yeah. And then you saw that the, there was traffic in yeah. the trap area uh-huh. put your foot in the ground and you made the cut and so the thing i said earlier is that some people can see that but mm-hmm. don't have the ability to make the cut mm-hmm. other people just can't see it and they just run up in there and get two or three yards mm-hmm. but you had the ability to see it make the cut and then also do this other extraordinary thing mm-hmm. on top of it and so to me it opened my eyes to like oh wow he's not just this kind of a bruiser dude the dude yeah. has vision and like dave said your timing and all that uh, but I love the way you you still get downhill and, and want to hit people. Yeah. Uh, I want to go back just a little bit, if Dave doesn't mind. Like, what was the mindset that you had after having the early success your rookie year, get injured, and then going into the rehab? Uh-huh. What what was the mindset that you had to adopt to get yourself to where it looks like? I mean, you just came in like a seasoned vet, like you uh-huh. had never been injured, never missed a play or whatever. Like, what mindset do you have to be in? Because I don't think people understand. Mm-hmm. The the when they say oh a guy's rehabbing they just yeah. see you on the table doing it but they don't understand the mental part of it so can you talk to speak to that a little bit? Um, it goes I think all the way back to um, my high school injury and then once I did that my uh, my whole mood was down you know what I mean I was like I was depressed for a long time because um, I started getting like scholarships taken away and everything like that and then um, you know just being like an underdog my whole life it kind of motivated me to come back from that. That uh, injury, my ACL injury, and then once I had this injury, I wasn't, you know, down at all about it. You know what I'm saying? I talked to uh, T. Rawls. He had kind of the same injury, and uh, you know, he kind of walked me through it a little bit. And then once I got, after I got the surgery, you know, it was just right back into the uh, rehab process, and I wanted to hit it as hard. And then hearing a lot of things about me not being able to come back in the year, you know, me not being the same or whatever, like you know, yeah. all that reports and stuff. I always wanted to prove somebody wrong, so in my mind, it was, I'm going to come back better than what I was. I think that is just universal with football yeah. players, that mm-hmm. you love, deep down inside, you love to be underestimated. Yeah. I, I think I, I always like that, too. And so for people that don't know, because talked to you last year, your rookie year, Chris, and mm-hmm. you had scholarship offers going into your senior year to Georgia, mm-hmm. 
among others, right? Mm. And Georgia is like running back you. Yeah. You you end up getting an ACL injury your senior year in high school in what game? Was it middle of the season? Yeah, middle of the season. Yeah. yeah. So then, you know, all of that's off the table for you. So you go to Butler Community College, right? Yeah. Play there for two years. Mm-hmm. And then you go to Oklahoma State where you never fumbled and just had a, a good career. You get drafted in the seventh round. And, you know, I feel like the Seahawks got a real steal. I mean, and this goes back to doing research about you in high school. Yeah. And and now you're using all that to, to motivate you, it sounds yeah. like. Yeah, uh, yeah. My journey here is, uh, I mean, it's tough, of course. Um, but I feel like each step, like, kind of made me work even harder. You know what I'm saying? Made me kind of who I am today. So, uh, like you said, like I told my ACL, and then um, I was kind of upset. Like I said, I was kind of upset about that. But then once I went to JUCO, I think that was the biggest blessing I had. You know what I mean? Because I met some of the closest friends uh, that I, I, you know, I still talk to today. Like Michael Gallup, who's with the um, uh, Cowboys right now is one of my closest friends, and um, you know, it's just a whole bunch of people that that you build that bond with. And honestly, I'd rather do that again, go to JUCO, than go to Division One. To be honest, just because that grind there is a different grind that people don't see. Like, and Division One is kind of like you're you're blessed with a whole bunch of stuff. You know what I mean? Like all the resources, yeah, all the resources everything. you need. Yeah. You know, the nice, you know, uh, <laughs> dorms with all that stuff. You know what I mean? And JUCO is like. In my mind, I call it like prison. Like you, you in a cell, and you don't have like all the resources that a lot of, you know a lot of people have. And you gotta have when you eat. And most the thing that we ate most was ramen noodles, of course. And then you know, so it's like you don't have the fancy stuff that the Division One team has, the nice calves, the nice meal plans, and all that. So, but it just made us work harder to get out of that situation in a way. So. I'm blessed because I met the best people in my life, the best coaches, all that. So, You know, that's very, that's like old man wisdom that you're mm-hmm. espousing now because you go back, Ray, and you go, the bad things that happened to me, I wouldn't change them right. because they made, they made me who, who I am. And yeah. going through those kinds of struggles, that's it's very wise of you in your second year because that's, yeah, you could sit there and be bitter about things or you can make it work for you. And that's, yeah. <laughs> that's exactly what you're doing. So, mm-hmm. well, let me ask you this. Would you rather jump over somebody because I, I would say this if you would ask me like the most underrated thing about him it's his shake yeah kind of yeah. like kind of like marshawn lynch i remember but he was like oh he's a bowl him over type of guy like he's got a pretty good he's got good moves like mm-hmm. you said but for you would you rather jump over somebody would you rather juke them out of their jock strap which i know players don't wear anymore it's <laughs> an old saying or would you rather like run right over a guy um I don't know. I rather. I think I'd rather run somebody over versus juke. I don't know. I never. I've never really juke somebody in so long where they just yeah. fall. You know what I mean? I watch Mike <laughs> Mike Davis do it all the time. And I'm like, I, I would love to do that. You know what I mean? But I, I haven't haven't done that in so long since like high school. But um, running people over is just that. It's that like that manhood. You know what I mean? It's like yeah. you taking their manhood away from them. You know You're I mean? dominating yeah, another man exactly. physically. You're taking yeah. his, taking his away. heart exactly. away. Yeah. Yeah. So yes. like, I, I love. I like seeing that. I like being a part of that. So I rather I rather run over somebody. Well, I know we we talked a lot of football and and, and your background and stuff. But w- what are some things that you like doing outside of football? Like what are, what are things you do to relax or to have mm-hmm. fun or people you spend time with? Yeah. Uh, what are some of those things that? I'm just I'm laid back. So laid back. I just I like to hang out at the house and um, play with my dogs for the most part. Uh, what kind of dogs? Cane Corso. 
I don't yeah, know. They're, they're a master breed. So, oh, I got yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. So these are huge dogs. They're big dogs. Yeah, they're big, yeah. 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 So I like to hang out with them. And then I really just like to lay down and watch TV. <laughs> with the little time that we get off, I, yeah. that's what I'm doing. You know what I mean? So I like to just relax. You, do you have any uh, other sports that you like to play? Mm-hmm. Or I see that you have your Lakers hat on. Are you no. a big Laker? Are you excited nah. about LeBron? Yeah, I'm, a, I'm a LeBron fan. So wherever he go, I go. So, I got you. You know what I mean? And then, uh, I, yeah, I used to play basketball my whole life, really. Mm-hmm. Um, up until uh, my junior year in high school when I really started playing football. So. Oh, I got you. Yeah. What would you play like a two guard? Yeah, that was two. You can shoot it like that. I can shoot, but I was more of a slasher and dunker. So, yeah. oh, a dunker. Yeah, yeah. You posterize somebody. Yeah. Oh, so, man. are you like every other player in the NFL that you think you're the greatest basketball player? Nah, in the NFL? I, mean, I, <laughs> I know those days are over with, but <laughs> hey, I, I might break you off a couple times. But nah, I know there's a lot of guys like Lock, Tyler Lockett. He's, he's real good at basketball. Mm-hmm. And I know I'm not the best on them. I know I'm not the best on the team, but yeah, I used to play. Man. Yeah. yeah. What about uh, any other uh, sports that you played growing up? Where, mm-hmm. uh, just basketball and football? Basketball and football, yeah. yeah Those are two. I did, I did track for a little bit, but uh, they wanted, they asked about baseball, but I, it's, I was too hyper as a kid that I couldn't sit still in baseball. And baseball is kind of a patiently waiting game and all that. It stops yeah. too much. So, uh, but what, what is, uh, I, th- I think we may have asked you this last year, but what what is one thing about Chris Carson uh-huh. um, that – people would be surprised to know about something like like whether it's a hobby or show that you like to watch yeah. or activity you like to do or someone that you think is cool that other people wouldn't think is cool like you know what yeah. is, what is that that thing that people go like oh i didn't know that you know it surprised me he would There's like a that. couple of things i say the biggest thing um i like i like to cook you know what i mean oh, okay. I, I, i'm a cook you watch people chopped are, Nah, but I watched, um, what's that show called? Um, with Jordan, uh, Gordon Ramsay, with the little kids. Oh, yeah, the uh, Hell's Kitchen and all that nah, stuff. No, not, not Hell's Kitchen, but, but the, he has the, the other yeah. with the little kids. I used mm-hmm. to watch that nonstop. And then um, uh, another thing is, I, like, I, don't, I don't watch like, TV shows. Like, right. You know what I mean? I don't watch the new TV shows, stuff like that. I like watching like, the 90s shows. Oh, I got I like, you. Like, like Martin. what? Like, Martin is my favorite show, A Different World. And like Fresh Prince stuff like you know what I mean like the yeah, old shows sure. In Living Color, <laughs> all that. That's like my my type of genre, like my type of time. What's your uh, What's your best dish that you make? Hot wings. Hot wings. You know oh, what mine I, was uh, macaroni and cheese out of a box. <laughs> <laughs> you know what mine is? You know what you do? You you Nothing. cut up. Nothing. You cut up. <laughs> I, little, just, uh, I just eat whatever. I you cut up hot dogs and put them in there, and then you twice bake them. Oh, yeah. yeah, it's money, man. You put the hot dogs in macaroni and cheese. Oh yeah, you ever try that? Uh-uh. Yeah, never seen that. Some people man. put like ketchup in it too. Yeah, I put ketchup that? on my macaroni yeah, and cheese. You know what's going to happen? He's going to try it, and he's going to show up sick the next day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Chris Carson's a scratch because he ate macaroni and cheese. So. All right, well, uh, listen, we really appreciate you coming out, man, and uh, good luck to you. Uh, You're off to a great start. Hope to see you carrying the ball a lot in Chicago, and thanks for joining us, Chris. Really appreciate you having me. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. All right, let's hear it from Chris Carson. Coming up next on Hawks Live, we'll talk to Danny O'Neill. That's next. Hawks Live at Pearl Seafood and Oyster Bar in Bellevue's Lincoln Square. Brought to you by Heritage Distilling's Batch Number 12 Vodka and Legendary Donuts on 710 ESPN Seattle. Hey, welcome back to Hawks Live. Ray Roberts and Dave Wyman. I want to yes, thank, sir. thank the Pearl Bar and Oyster 
restaurant here for this delicious dinner before the show tonight. We had awesome steak, salad. Be sure to join us every Thursday so you can enjoy the good food here. You know what my favorite is here, Ray? What's that? Short ribs. Short you know, you ribs know what my favorite is awesome. here? Awesome. Anything that's free. Anything they put in front of me. <laughs> that's an offensive line for, lineman for you, Danny. Danny O'Neill's with us right now. And, uh, Danny, you heard Ray. I mean, they're all about, you know, the old uh, creed of uh, the offensive line was never walk. Wait, never run when you can walk. Never walk when you can ride. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Right in a golf cart. How are you doing tonight, Danny? I'm good. How are you guys? We're doing great out here. We just had Chris Carson here. Uh, just blew everybody away. He's just such a humble guy and uh, such a huge dude and just really excited about him. And uh, I feel like, Nanny, this week that uh, that Chris is going to get loose. I, I feel like, and he, and he confirmed with us when Ray and I talked to him, he, he wants to get into a rhythm. Yes. What do he get, seven carries? Seven carries. Yeah, and so, you know, it's like 14, 15, and Ray, you blocked for uh, – for Barry Sanders, you know, I feel like they're going to get him into a rhythm early, Danny. Well, you know, that's something that's really important. And Ray's, Ray's perspective on the run game I, I found really probably as, as instructive as anything after the game because my reaction to the fact they only ran 14 times, uh, seven handoffs to each running back and kind of a, a job share between Rashad Penny and Chris Carson was that, well, that's kind of just the direction the game went, and I didn't put as much credence into the idea that hey you spent the whole offseason talking about establishing the running game and you go out and don't really run the ball and Ray pointed out what a blow that is to sort of the the confidence or just the mentality of the offensive line where if you tell your offensive line that you're going to run the ball and then you don't run it the the offensive linemen are kind of when am I going to get to fire off and hit somebody when am I when are we going to do what you said and that 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 really sort of changed my mind because I had seen the throws. There were three completions to Penny and I think two to Carson. That you have to count that as part of the running game too. They're what John Gruden likes to call run game solutions, part of the new vernacular in the NFL. But but as Ray said, that's not that's not really a run play for an offensive lineman. That's a that's a workaround. And and I think that it is for for Seattle. I would be really surprised if they don't come out and make a concerted effort. To, to to run the ball, especially early in the game. Yeah, Danny, uh, that, that was my, my perspective on it. And even sitting here talking with Chris, um, he's the type of running back that when you get deep into the third quarter and he's up to like maybe 15, 16 carries, that is when you're going to see uh, a, an offensive line in a running game that can take the will from another team. And that, and that mentality, people, I don't think people always understand the mental part of the game, and, and so that's why I, I expressed that after the game. Uh, but having said all of that, uh, do you think or how do you think that Russell Wilson can adjust his game, not totally change what he's doing, but adjust his game, especially in the passing game, to help with the offensive line and the protection, especially from the right side? I honestly, I think he's got to stop scrambling as much. And and that sounds weird to say because that's such an asset to him. And he is extraordinary. I, he, he's a good quarterback in the pocket. And, and anybody who tells you he can't throw from the pocket is is wrong. And, and there have been extended stretches where he has been an elite passer from the pocket. The second half of 2015, he, he was awesome. But... He is that his most exceptional trait is his accuracy throwing on the run, in my opinion. So it sounds weird to say he needs to stop scrambling as much, 
but he needs to stop scrambling as much because there's a certain level of unpredictability about that. And when he takes a sack, and there were several times he took a sack trying to extend a play, I think there's a deflation that it ha- that that it happens. It, it takes the wind out of everybody's sails, not just the the logistical difficulties of the drive, but of the feeling like, oh man, he, he ran into trouble uh, on that one. He has been that that move where he has a 180 degree spin out of the back of the pocket is kind of the edge rusher is closing in on him. We've seen it for for seven years. I think you saw Denver adjust to that, and you saw what we're going to see more of, which is that edge rusher is going to anticipate that spin, and he's going to come at a wider angle to keep from letting Russell pop outside. And I think that's part of the the, the entire package here, that Russell doesn't need to become more elusive or focus on maximizing his scrambles. Russell needs to focus on finding more predictable offense earlier in the play. You know what I think Denver did there? They got lucky. <laughs> I don't think that was planned at all. No, I, I, well, I don't know. They, just, like if, good, if you watch one of the one of the sacks, the one where Von Miller really kind of put it on Russell, the right side of Denver's defense rushed up the field to kind yeah. of take away that spin out move, and then on the left side they ran that that tackle out and around because because yeah. when Russell stepped up in the pocket, then he stepped right to. Yeah, Von Miller. and uh, you know what? I remember a bowl game where Stanford did that to Terod Taylor. Yeah, uh, when they played Virginia Tech, and it was like they—it was a pass rush kind of. It was just a soft pass rush. Mm-hmm. You know, like we were talking today, Danny, about how you go hard on every play. Like there's no rope a dope type of plays in football. Like you go hard yeah. on every play, but they really did. They just built a pocket around him and didn't rush him right really they just kept him in the pocket so yeah there could be some of that the thing is though you don't want to kill his spirit right, right. Danny I mean That's you don't want to I mean here's a guy that has this unbelievable talent to get away and make plays and you know how do you how do you take that away from him and how do you make him you know stay in the pocket when he's done so much with his feet I think that's that's the question is like where do you draw the line for him yeah I, I completely agree you don't want to it's mute like what is him. one it's like Jim asking questions like you, <laughs> Jim Moore on our show. You want to rein him in and like you don't you don't want him to make the, the people angry, but let, you want him to be himself. Right, Danny? Yeah, that, I, that's interesting. I've never heard Russell Wilson compared to Jim Moore before. <laughs> and, and that kind of scares me. But I totally see exactly what you're saying. You don't want to mute someone's biggest strength. You don't, and, and in, in both cases, it's the unpredictability. <laughs> Whether it's what Russell's going to do on his feet or what's going to come out of Jim's mouth. You're totally right. And I think you could almost say, hey, just don't do it in the first quarter. Like the first quarter, let's focus on, on, on getting some of the things that we think we can accomplish early in the game done. Let, let, let's just not. Like Jim. <laughs> just like Jim, just don't do it on the first question. <laughs> Yeah, I, I would. The, the, thing I, the thing I would say is that uh, there has to be a rhythm that not every pass play has to be a touchdown. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you just need to get what they give you because there was there was one sack uh, where the where the corner came off the edge free, and Russell there was a I think there may have been Brandon Marshall was running a slant from the left side that the ball could have come out and avoided the sack. Uh, and it didn't happen because you, then you're trying to make a big play out of something. And so it's not like killing the spirit, but, but being selective in the spirit. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And yeah. uh, because uh, 
sometimes your greatest strength is your greatest weakness. And, and, and sometimes that puts us in first and 15 or uh, you're down seven points in the first quarter. And so it's not trying to take away his spirit, but just trying to, uh, like you said, Dave, find that balance between uh, reeling them in and then letting them also be himself. Singles, are, I, I just, singles are okay. You don't have to always swing or look for the fences on that. It's And I I would say this, that Seattle, because the one similarity I saw between Sunday's game and what we saw from the offense last year was that you had their offense come out and really sputter through the first quarter. Their first three possessions, the, the only first down they had was kind of a statistical technicality because it was on the touchdown pass to Todd Disley or on to Will Disley after after the interception from Earl. They didn't have a sustained drive, and and I think that that would be something that would be a huge asset to Seattle. Seattle's inability to sustain drives early in games is kind of mind-boggling. We talked about it. Curtis Rogers had the stat. 30 straight regular season games, they failed to score a touchdown on their opening possession, and that's that's just mind-boggling, and it's not... It, I don't think it's some sense that they don't come out ready to play or anything like that, but but there's something going on there that, that it would help them to have more sustained offense earlier in games. So, so uh, Danny, what, what are the, um, the, the things that you think the Seahawks hit on on offense and defense, things that, that, kinda, that you can highlight? Well, I, I thought that their run game, their run defense early on, I thought was pretty stout. I thought it, it fizzled in the fourth quarter, which is, is troubling because that's when it was most important to be able to get off the field. But I, I, I thought their defense, their defense especially against the run early on, was, was pretty effective. In, in the, in, on offense, the passing game, I, I think Todd Disley is going to be a huge asset for this team. And I think getting a, a tight end that fits with what they want to do, who's able to block and be physical – but is also a threat if you don't pay attention to him in the receiving game. And then the other guy, and I think this guy is going to become one of the most important players in this Seahawks season, is Brandon Marshall. Especially with Doug Baldwin being injured right now, and we're not sure when he's going to come back from the, from the knee sprain. I think Brandon Marshall, if you asked me who's going to end up leading this team in receptions, my answer right now it might be Brandon Marshall, and that's kind of frightening, but I think it also reflects he's really looked good, and it seems like he really fits with and understands the offense and what they want to do. I've heard Brian Schottenheimer's referred to him that he's got a little bit, he sees the games in some ways like a quarterback, his understanding of the game. And and I I thought the way he played and and this the that if that's the start of where his rapport is at with Russell Wilson, it's a great sign for what's to come. All right, Danny. Well, real quick, uh, what's your what's your prediction for the outcome? I'm not asking you to pick a sc- uh, score or anything like that, but well, I'll ask you this: What needs to happen in order for them to win? Chris Carson needs to run 15 or more times, I, I, and I think if that happens, that that will be that this the Seahawks are going to win, and I do expect them to win this game. I, I think that Chicago is is going to be limited because. Watching their game Sunday, I don't think their coach, who's a first-year coach, Matt Nagy, trusts his quarterback to make plays. And against a Seattle defense, which basically that's their M.O., is to keep everything in front of them and force the quarterback to beat them, I think that matches up really well. I think Seattle has a good situation because of that. And I really think that you're going to see a renewed emphasis on the run, and I think they will be able to effectively run the ball against the Bears. 
I think that's a good call, Danny. I really appreciate you jumping on with us, and uh, I'll see you tomorrow for our show. How's that sound? It sounds great. You guys sound fantastic, and I appreciate you having me on. Thanks, buddy. There goes Danny O'Neill. Well, coming up next, we'll give you our final thoughts, maybe a prediction or two. That's here next on Hawks Live. Hawks Live at Pearl Seafood and Oyster Bar in Bellevue's Lincoln Square. Brought to you by Heritage Distilling's Batch Number 12 Vodka and Legendary Donuts on 710 ESPN Seattle. Welcome back to Hawks Live. Ray Roberts and Dave Wyman here. And just to wrap things up, Ray, we're... I don't know if you like doing score predictions. I'm I'm not big on that. Plus, you have to save yourself for the pregame show. I do. I don't want right? to. I don't want to give my my pick give away. Give anything away. Who who by the way won last week? Do you know who was closest? I think on the group? it was between Paul and Dory. It was a, a matter of like one or two points, but yeah. I think Paul won. Yeah, I said. Unfortunately, I said on this show I thought that the the Seahawks would win twenty one twenty. And I said, either way, I think they'd have a chance in the end. I don't know that they necessarily had a chance in the end. There just wasn't enough time for Russell, and, you know, that was a little bit too much for him. But, you know, here's the thing I'll say about Russell Wilson. At one point, right before, I don't know, there's like a minute 30, something like that, Mm a minute 40, and Vance Joseph, the head coach for the Broncos, it was third and long, and, you know, I thought, if, if I'm him, I might throw the ball, even though there's a, a, a risk of stopping the clock, I might try to throw the ball and get a first down because I don't want to give Russell Wilson the ball with any time on the clock. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we were just talking. Like, uh, I'm always just trying to find ways to, uh, that I think maybe can help <laughs> the offensive line. So that's created the conversation about Russell getting rid of the ball. However, I would rather have Russell than not have Russell. Yeah. Because in those moments where he's improvising and he's doing his thing, the dude creates unbelievable plays. And just like you just said, to give him the ball back with any amount of time left in the fourth quarter uh, and to give him a chance and an opportunity to score, uh, you're really risking your chance at victory when you do that. And so I, ex- I expect them to come out this week and really try to establish a run. Not that they're going to go crazy about it and there's not going to be any passing or it's going to be so run heavy and two and three yards in a cloud of dust. But I really do think that, that this is an, a game against a really tough physical football team where they're going to establish their identity for the season. Being physical up front on offense, running the ball with a physical running back, play action passes to get the ball down the field. And then on defense, I really think they're going to have a chance to get after the quarterback to develop the pass rush and those kinds of things. So, Because I, I think this quarterback will give you a chance uh, to get the ball back for the offense. You know, whenever we talk about something that Russell Wilson, Wilson should do, I always feel like we're nitpicking. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. I mean, this is one of the more, I think, underappreciated guys. Like, yep. we, well, and I don't, not early on, but like as time wears on, you have to look back and, at what Russell has done for this team. So, yeah, you'd like to see him be perfect, but I think what will really help him is I like what Danny said. And, you know, whatever the score is, I would like to see Chris Carson, just yeah. like Danny said, get the ball like 15 to 20 times. And we heard as much from him. Yeah. He wants to get into a rhythm and, you know, so when I saw Rashad Penny, the other thing is I'm excited to see Rashad Penny. Yeah. I, I think, you know, Pete said that he thought he looked rusty out there. I thought he just looked like a rookie. Yep. It looked like maybe the game was a little bit too big for him at that moment and that he's going to be fine. He's going to be explosive. He's going to be who he was at San Diego State. But we didn't see any of that uh, on Sunday. So, you know, I, I just think it's, a, it's the normal progression of what's going to happen with him. But hopefully we'll see a lot of Chris Carson. We had Chris Carson on tonight. Of course, John Clayton. 
And uh, what, Ray, go ahead. What, what do you think? Uh, what do you think your key? What, what has to happen for the for the Seahawks to win this game? Well, I, I think first of all, the thing that has to happen going into the game is that they have a plan for Khalil Mack that that's yeah. better than the plan they had for uh, the guy in Denver. And uh, so, like giving a tight end over there to Chip, keeping a running back over it. I think they they have to spend a little bit more of energy addressing that so that they have an opportunity to push the ball down the field in the passing game. And if, if they can attach the run game by giving the run, uh, Chris Carson more attempts at running with the play-action game, then I think you could see – I think you can really see them win. I think it can be an easy win for them if they do that because I really feel like our defense is going gonna, is gonna to do some damage against their offense. So I think it's going to be a matter of them attaching the run game to the play-action game to create opportunity to, get, to put the ball down the field. Well, I want to thank everybody uh, for, for joining us tonight. I want to thank our producer, Curtis Rogers, uh, our engineer, Brenna Hutchison, and our promotions manager, Jessica Kelly, and the 710 ESPN street team helping us out, set up, and every, but most importantly, our executive producer, NASA Choby, who provides us with the guests and all this great information. NASA, NASA. Yeah. Thanks so much for coming out. For Ray Roberts, I'm Dave Wyman, and we'll see you next week right here on Hawks Live. Go Hawks.